Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is November 11th. Andy, how we doing? Brendan, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing good. I, uh, you know, just right, right. Talk some golf. I uh, are you? Yeah, yeah. A little I'm, bit I'm, of golf. I'm feeling good. I um, I don't know. I had, I had a long travel week. I I kind of came home. I didn't feel very good after it, and uh, got a ton of sleep yesterday. Feel a lot better. Um, you know. Just, just ready, to, ready, to, ready to go here today. It energized. Loved a lot of the emails we got for golf advice. I'm not gonna SGS lie. Yes, golf advice. Had me, we got had a me lot laughing. of emails. Yeah, had we'll do laughing. that at the end. Can't, can't wait to dive in. I, I'm like a kid on Christmas, you know. Right, ready to give some ideas on some of these. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's begin with the. Uh, I don't know. I guess we give the Houston Open a quick hat tip. Alex Noren leads along with Aaron Wise and Tony Finau. I David think he was Lips. on uh, Tourist Sauce last night. Yeah, Noren? No, I haven't no watched it. Tourist I got. I know he's in the season. I didn't get a chance to watch it either. But they I said think he was, was awesome. Last, they said he was really cool, like really cool to meet. So I got to watch that. I'll watch that maybe tonight. Max McGreevy, T4. So, you know, someone, friend of the program, you know how much we love looking, dig, digging into these player profiles a little deeper, right? Scrolling down to like interests, hobbies, things like that. Uh, so a friend of the program sent us Max McGreevy, an interesting tidbit. What's with the, the Max McGreevy hate that you have? Oh, it's not hate at all. This is not hate at all. I it was Wait, I promoted him. I, I Not promoted, I was boosting him. I was rooting him on. I was excited for Max McGreevy. I said, now's the time. He'd made, you know, six of 18 cuts and, you know, but he still got his card and the play, got in the playoffs. This feels like revisionist history here. That's not true at all. We became Max McGreevy tracker. Anyway, someone said his friend of the program, personal section. He's T4 at the Houston Open. So it's like Father Brian won the Oklahoma State Amateur. Um, says that, you know, previously used the 1966 U.S. quarter to mark his ball. Last tidbit, personal section, says says most people don't know that he's a great ping pong player. And I got to be honest, why would anybody know that? Most people don't know, you know, Max McGreevy, like Max McGreevy exists. Why would they know about his ping pong aptitude? Like, is that a surprise? Everyone should know that Max McGreevy is a great ping pong player. I think feels like a reach. You can just say you're a good ping pong player. And that's your personal section. But why were people follow, expected follow to know up that? Question. Maybe we should just start assuming that golfers are good ping pong players. I think we should. I think and, I kind of do anyways. And my question would be, if you stacked, you know, outside of tennis, outside of racket sports, if you stacked up golfers against any other professional sports leagues, you know, and you said ping pong player for ping pong player, I think golfers might be near the top. I think that's probably true. That's probably what, a fair... I mean, maybe like baseball. I think baseball could maybe because like the hand eye stuff, right? Hockey. 
hockey. I was thinking too. You know, I'm, yeah. I you know, there's there's so many NFL players. They probably could feel the pretty formidable. T- you know, you're talking like you know, you got 53 yeah. band rosters for 30 teams. Like that. Yeah. There's such an absurd amount that they could. But that would be, you know, it would be cool to see some like cross sport like random skills challenges, right? Yeah. But ping maybe. pong, I feel like golfers they they like to talk about how good they are. Maybe tomorrow I can get in on that. Tomorrow mm-hmm. can get in on this cross sport skills challenges with all their investors, right? Yeah. Various investors from various sports. So, um, yeah, that's your quick Houston Open update. I don't have a whole lot else from there. Oh, I, you know what? I do have an update from there. Thirst bucket of the week is the Houston Open. <laughs> They've got Shooter McGavin <laughs> doing first tee announcing. Uh, I mean, can we get this guy out of our lives already? He's got like. He's got like he's had like ten DUIs, but nobody ever talks about that. They just trot him out looking for this thirsty little social media lift. And the movie was like twenty five years ago. He was a bit player, and he's been riding this forever. And and everybody takes the bait. PGA Tour sharing all the Shooter McGavin content as he's doing the first tee announcer. So thirst bucket of the week, Houston Open, putting that guy out there. A movie that wasn't even that good, and he was a bit player. And and and. Why? Why do we have to keep giving this guy the stage? Get him off. Get him off the stage. Shoot him again. Thirst bucket of the week, Houston Open. Uh, anything else from Houston that you want to talk about? Uh, no, no. I don't, don't have. I'm, I'm going to lock in this weekend, but I'm excited to lock in. I did not watch any today. LPGA has not started. That's a uh, three-deal event out in the Blueberry Fields. Oh, yeah. They lost the, the, the hurricane. The tropical storm right. canceled round one. Right. Um, so hope everyone down there is doing all right. You have the Schwab Cup. I know you're very excited about this one. I don't know who's Elker Elker versus uh, Harrington. I open up PGA Tour Champions. It's led by an article titled "The Eternal Grind of Harrington." Like, I mean, I don't know if Eternal Eternal feels a little too strong there. I don't think he's going to be doing it. You know, after death but that's just like a pretty dramatic headline. I know he's a hard worker. Elker Harrington, that's the big battle coming down on the weekend over there. John Houston is your early leader. Played on PGA Tour events this year. John Houston, uh, not to be confused with the Houston Open, is tied with Stephen Ames in first. Bernie, right back in the saddle. Want a shot off the lead with two holes to play. That's your Champions Tour update. News. Let's do some quick news for Friday. This can be kind of a whip around Friday deal. You know, it's November. We don't need to get that worked up about golf. Uh, Roger Maltby and Gary Koch are leaving the NBC broadcast team. You know, they have longtime voices, decades on the NBC team for it was a golf week article. Adam Woodard, I believe, broke it. And uh, they termed it like a refresh was like the quote. I think uh, I think I would expect based on what I've heard is maybe a. Smiley Kaufman and like Brad Faxon might be the might be the fill-ins there. It would be a good good guess maybe as two options. But yeah, Maltby and Gary Koch no longer on the NBC team. I saw I you know listen, I think Roger Maltby is a legend. Gary Koch, both of them legend. But you know, <laughs> for being real here, I mean Roger Maltby's been on the telecast for thirty years. It's been a while. Yeah. At a certain a point, like, you know, it's okay for these things. I saw people being like, oh, that's so disrespectful. Like, you know, listen, 
There's two things can be true. They were Wait, they shouldn't have, they should have just let him go until yeah, he Yeah, keep going. Yeah, okay. like two things Let's can be not. true. They can be legends and it's okay to move on. Right. Right? Like right. this is this is a this is I think like, you know, it was the time where things were starting to run their course. Malpy wasn't supposed to be renewed, but because Bones left yeah. to go caddy, he right. got an extra year. He got an extra year anyways, but like, hey, great they were they had a great run and it's okay that we're moving on instrumental po- part of you know golf broadcasting for the last I mean, know, many u.s opens my entire life of golf yeah. right. And, right and probably a lot of listeners entire lives of golf like these guys have been you know icons and you know i saw Maltby in a uh in the airport this year and i like said hi to him like and i was like huge fan you know blah 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 you know, like those are the it's uh but it's also okay that it's over you know there's yeah there shouldn't it Nothing shouldn't be, be like upset it should about not it be yeah. upsetting thing right he's been doing my, this for 30 years one of my most recent during Malby me- memories most recent was that case valley last year when he lost his absolute mind on someone heckling bryson <laughs> called him brooksy and just let you MFers get the F out of here. Like just shouting at people. I think he mistook like KVV or somebody as the shouter. So that was always like, I've never, I've never seen him that hot. Went crazy shouting at the direction of the ropes. Um, here's, here's a good tidbit at the end of Adam's article. Not only did they work together on air, but the pair also teamed up to win the PGA Tour champions, Liberty Mutual Legends of Golf three times. And the Raphael division in 2003, 2008, and 2009. The Raphael division? I don't know what this... I, we might have Versus to dig Leonardo, into the, the legend. Michelangelo. <laughs> like the turtles? Yeah. Huh. I'll have to look into that event a little more. Maybe a have flashback a Friday. Future, future flashback Friday. Uh, other news, Mark Kane is now, or no, it is rumored, J- J- uh, Jimmy Corrigan, James Corrigan from across the pond said it is, uh, reporting that he is a, I don't want to get my t- terms wrong here. He's not, he's not going to be, but it's, it's, I don't know. He's in the crosshairs to be the next CEO of live. Um, this has been a rumor and back channels for a bit, uh, Corrigan, Reports it on Thursday here that, you know, Greg Norman will be, quote, moving upstairs, which is a term I I was not really familiar with, quite honestly. Maybe that's some executive speak to, I I don't know what that means, of moving somewhere upstairs. But Mark King will move in. Who knows what Um, that means in Saudi speak? Yeah, right. And Liv has already come out and said it's, you know, denied it. So it's incorrect. Uh, my, you know, I, I, as working in this industry and media, I caught the tail end of Mark King's illustrious career. And I would say it was not a good one. I would say he sort of uh, left TaylorMade in disarray, Adidas a little bit, uh, had some pretty harebrained schemes about foot golf and, you know, two foot cups that everybody laughed off the stage, but, uh, he was willing to try them, I suppose. Feels a little bit like a, uh, you know, undoubtedly had success in terms of sales growth that Taylor made early in the day, early days, uh, you know, it was the tiger era, you know, a lot of things did well. Um, I don't think he's like particularly, he's a serious executive relative to Norman. He's 
got a business degree. He's been in a C-suite. I don't know that he's super well embraced in the golf circles anymore. Not that maybe they want that, but he was kind of left the golf industry on not the greatest terms. TaylorMade was on the ropes. I mean, you, like I remember like the big panic in the mid last decade was like, it was basically gone, gone going under before the private equity. Like this is just going to be folded up. Um, not saying that's necessarily Mark King's doing or, or he was even responsible for that, but uh, you know, Shackelford making tweets about how, you know, releasing three drivers a year, is that going to start becoming the, the trend on live? Cause Kane was of course responsible a little bit for that contracted uh, release cycles so or three drivers a year. Love when Shackelford can get off those, those cracks. Um, but he will maybe be the new CEO. I just, I, I, he feels like I'm a piece with live where there's like guys who are, have did a lot of their best work at the turn of the century, you know, and haven't like, you know, they're just available to do it. This is, he's running a consequential job as the CEO of Taco Bell wants to be back in golf. And this is a, an opportunity for him. I, I just, I don't know that he's like the first choice I would make if I were live. So do you have any reaction to Mark King? He's not Craig Norman. Listen, if there's rumors about this, it's likely that they are, Outward having conversations. Sure. So, <laughs> well, maybe Mark King might not be their guy. Somebody's sending Norman upstairs. Well, this has kind of been, yeah, right? Yeah. Quietly and, and not subtly discussed for a while now. Is, is Norman was the year one guy to stir a little shit. And then when it's time to get serious or try to make this thing really get off the ground, you have to get someone else that's taking fewer uh, you know shirtless instagram posts to run your business so um that's it you have anything else on that one yeah it does I just seem like we're gonna have turnover with live i think that at, at this current you know situation at some point there needs to be assuming both are here to stay right you know if we just live in that world where live has a foothold and it's going to be here for a while in the tour is obviously not going anywhere. Something has to change for there to be some sort of like, I don't know if it can keep going on and maybe, maybe that's what it is. It just keeps going on as a war, but like there was no way it wasn't ever going to be just a bloodbath between the two. If Jay Monahan and Greg Norman are at the head of right. each of the two, right? There has to right. be, whether it's one, maybe it's both like, there has to be something for some sort of middle ground to be established, which it seems like a lot of the players want, right? There to be some sort of like, maybe it's, maybe they never work together, but there isn't just ill will across the organizations. Right. 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 Um, I did go to his website. He terms himself with a lot of amusing titles. I saw that. Radical leader, Mark Kane, innovation champion, which is just, this, well, this is gobbledygook. Culture expert. What culture? What does that mean? I'm a culture expert, <laughs> like just of general how culture pop, should be. Pop culture? What's that game? What's the game that's all about pop culture? You know, there's, like the board game that you play? There's many of them now, I think. I, I don't know. Culture expert and provocateur, which is a word CEOs love to use in self-reference. Um, 
Should I so start I don't know. He's, he's a very like tour? he's a bit of a look at me executive. Definitely doesn't mind being out there. If um, you had to take one of those those descriptors and apply it to yourself, which one would it be? Innovation champion, <laughs> which basically just means like I'll let the smart people, which is sometimes the best way, right, for the executives. Like I don't have the innovation, but I'll be there to champion it on and just you know encourage it i think that's what he's getting at with this but i mean come on just stop with this bullshit all these nonsense gobbledygook just say you know you're the ceo you don't you don't need to like butter yourself up that way like this with nonsense. i mean it makes you look worse with all these buzzwords it does it really does all right it's a personal website too right yeah mark king.com that's, that's a bad look like that. that's a bad <laughs> yeah, look yeah. Too. like that's that's like a first red flag thirst thirsty um, all right. Christ, you're the CEO of Adidas Taco Bell, and you've got this website where you're calling yourself all these nonsense terms. Like, have some self-respect. You're a big shot. I'm not doing that. You who's doing that? You would it's think funny. that you'd think he'd get to a place where he feels confident enough that his record and the places he's been can speak for themselves. <laughs> Radical leader. What's radical? What are you suggesting? You storm the Capitol? What are, what are you? What's a radical? What are you? I mean, I think you got to turn your gain down a little. I think you're clipping. I'm, you know, I'm as, yelling. As my right. producer, as the producer of this Mark podcast. King's got me work. This Mark King's website got me too loud and worked up. Just right, turn it down a nudge. Come on. That'll make it just a little bit. It, right. It'll make it better for the rest of the episode. Vamp for me. You got. You're gonna have to talk a little bit here. Better. So, Better? Would you, who would doing? you rather? Who would you rather have leading your organization, Mark King or Jay Monahan? I mean, I, it's actually a fair question. That's a good one. Depends on the what depends on the state of play. Is it wartime? Wartime? Wartime CEO? I don't know. I don't know. That's it's a fair question. I don't know that I have the answer. We need to get Mark in there. All of a sudden, he'll be suggesting the the players has like you know five foot cups to make the game more interesting. <laughs> they can start, start doing playing foot golf, foot golf on Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of bullshit you could sell when golf was in dire straits, you know, in the last decade, the amount of bullshit you could just say was to grow the game was unbelievable. Uh, foot golf, big cups. All right. Let's do a Flashback Friday. PrecisionProGolf.com is the uh, sponsor for the Flashback Friday. You can go to Precision Pro Golf, use the promo code SHOTGUN20, gets you $20 off your NX10. I know we had somebody asking for the promo code last week. Um, I don't know how people forget it. SHOTGUN20, we've done 100 of these reads. You get $20 off an NX10. I'm seeing a lot more customizable ones out there with mostly college football colors. You know, you got Clemson there down on the down the dumps after that disaster in, in Notre Dame. You know, Ohio State, they have a motif, Ohio State motif. They've got uh, Alabama, others, SEC teams motifs. Uh, Illinois but yeah, you could can... maybe almost double for the Clemson. Are we sure yeah. it's a Clemson or an purple. Illinois? Purple. Clemson's I'm purple. colorblind. Not so maybe. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that one doesn't really work there. Um but yeah, so go to precisionprogolf.com, use promo code SHOTGUN20. I know uh, the holidays are approaching. I think this is a great option. 
great option. If you want to get in early, use promo code shotgun20, get $20 off. Customize it. Do whatever you want. Put American flag out there, you know, whatever you need. All right. Thanks to uh, thanks to them for supporting Flashback Friday throughout the year. This is a flashback, and I'm taking it straight from CDO, Chief Data Officer of the Shotgun Start. That's among his least prestigious titles. An actual smart individual just does probably doesn't have a website where he just say he claims he's CDO. We of should the see. SGS. We should see if he radical wants brain. What? Get him. Get him linked up with Mark King. See how he could boost his personal brand. Create a website. Hey, man, you got this niche podcast calling you their chief data officer. You got to trumpet that. You got to get a website trumpeting that. I think um, that might hurt his career arc. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. He's got more serious things going on. John Ezekowitz sent this Colonial Week. So it's Texas adjacent, Houston Open adjacent. It's enough about Texas golf that I'm, it's so good that I wanted to use it. I don't remember what we had that Challenger week. Challenger Week. We had some other flashback that I couldn't use it, but I had it bookmarked for a rainy day because it's so good. All right, this is from John. A full credit to John Ezekwitz. Um, It's on Homero Blancas, the 1970 <laughs> colonial winner. <laughs> so you know it's good. <laughs> All time. <laughs> Homero Blancas. Blancas. <laughs> from John, this is based on articles from Bill Fields, excellent writer. Subscribe to his newsletter. Tyler, The Tyler Paper and some Dan Jenkins articles in the SI Vault. Here's John. We are taking it back to the 1970 Colonial National Invitational, or as the PGA Tour calls it, the 1970 Charles Schwab Classic, <laughs> or whatever the challenge. challenge. It was won by native Texan Homero Blancas by one stroke over Lee Trevino, who missed a playoff with the bogey on the 18th. The 1970 tournament was Homero's third of fourth PGA Tour wins, but that is not why he is remembered in golf history. Instead, he will be ever forever be known as Mr. 55. Homero grew up in Houston. Here we go. This is our tie into Houston Open Week. We made it work. <laughs> you Flashback just found Friday. <laughs> PrecisionProGolf.com for Houston, found Houston it Open while, Week. Found the tie-in while reading it. Well, I read through it before. I just, I, you I read through it Houston. a few months ago. Yeah. Omero grew up in Houston, and his father, an immigrant from Mexico, was a greenskeeper at River Oaks Country Club, the toniest club in town. Is that's that still a, in Houston? That's a neat that's a That's a fancy neighborhood. The toniest club in town, River Oaks Country Club. He lived on the property and would caddy for children when he was too young to carry an adult bag. He learned golf. This is Homero. He learned golf, quote, only watching the good swains and played at the University of Houston. How do you learn that? Only How do you know to only watch the good swains if you don't know what a good swain is yet? Just, I guess, a natural, pretty natural well, You ability. probably could see the ball Well, fly. I mean, you could see the chops. It's pretty, yeah. pretty... Uh... Evident, like yeah. Well, you know, after evidence, the after the ev- strike, evidence, I suppose. Yeah, like you right. see which one's flying far, and that would be the good swing. So that's right? how he learned. Quote: Only watching the good swings, and played at the, then played at the University of Houston in 1963. Dan Jenkins described U of H as the Yankees of college golf. At that point, they'd won 51 of the last 68 tournaments they'd entered. 51 of Holy 68 shit. tournaments. And this is mid early 60s and six of the last seven national titles as a reminder that NIL debate as a reminder that NIL debates and blurred quote professional amateur distinctions are nothing new. Jenkins offers some quotes from jealous Houston coaches of Houston. It has been claimed by rival coaches that Houston certainly ought to win because it gives 20 full scholarships for golf. <laughs> 
The Houston players hit 800 practice balls a day, play the entire year, get more deals than half the winners of the professional tour, and are forced to go 54 holes after dark if they happen to be caught carrying textbooks. So academic rigor, apparently, was uh, rival coaches did not claim it was very academic rigorous. Quote, we don't condone their methods of recruiting, says a Big Ten coach. Oh, all these Big Ten guys always claiming to take the their high horse, legends and leaders bullshit. Uh, <laughs> we don't condone their methods of recruiting, says one Big Ten coach, or the amount of golf they play. We can't reach their level, so unless something is done about them, they'll continue to dominate college golf. Blancas was a star I'm on the team. Worried. Everybody's worried these days about dominating college golf. That's the thing that everybody's the NCAA needs to look into at all points of its histories. Who's dominating golf? <laughs> I mean, six to seven non-revenue sport. Fifty, yeah. Blancas was a star on the team, twice an All-American. He also won the Texas State Open as an amateur. That's good. Good state open to win. In the summers, the U of H golfers would travel Texas's, quote, beer and barbecue amateur golf circuit, the beer and barbecue golf circuit. From the 1920s to the 70s, East Texas was the center of the oil universe, and all summer, various courses would host amateur events centered around a massive barbecue. Up to 5,000 people would attend these barbecues, and a high-stakes Calcutta on the amateurs that could reach up to $50,000. Winning amateurs usually got a cut under the table, of course. In August 1962, Blancas and college teammate Fred Marty turned up to the Premier Invitational, a tournament hosted at a course on the grounds of an oil refinery in Longview, deep in East Texas. How about the Premier, that name, Fred Marty? Yeah, M-A-R-T-I. Uh-huh. Marty. Maybe I'm mispronouncing it. Marty. Marty. Marti. The Premier Golf Course. That's a proper noun. Premier Golf Course is the name. A quirky nine-hole layout with two sets of tees was designed by Sylvester Dason, the owner of Premier Oil Company. It was 5,100 yards long, but apparently very tight with copious out-of-bounds and creeks. Quote, some of the greens were so tiny you could hop across them, says Marty, and you could hardly get around without penalty strokes. On the fateful weekend, Blancas... Blancas screw, uh, Premier sh- Golf Club. Screw, uh, screw bringing back the Lido. We need to bring back the Premier Golf Club. The Premier Golf Course, yeah. In Longview, East Texas. On that fateful week- weekend, Blancas trailed his friend Marty by seven, seven shots after 36 holes on Saturday, having shot 70-69. They proceeded to have, quote, a late night of revelry across the border of Bossier City, Louisiana. After apparently... Almost crashing on the way back to the course, Marty and Blankus teed it up on the very little sleep for 36 on Sunday. In the afternoon, trailing by five, Blankus went for Brooke. Bill Fields summarizes it better than I could. Blankus' final round heroics were an intersection of crisp shots and good bounces. He began with a birdie at number one. At the par five second, he sculled a chip, but the ball claimed <laughs> up the flag stick and dropped for an eagle. After two more birdies, he missed a three-foot birdie attempt at number five, then came back with two straight birdies. Another birdie at number nine put him eight under for the day at number nine. He's eight under for the day. Oh, my God. Quote, I really was thinking one shot at a time, Blancas says. It was got to put it in the fairway, got to hit it close, got to make a putt, and got to catch Fred. The back nine was a blur of birdies and hooting from a growing gallery that found out what was going on. Blancas was an implacable force in the middle of it all. 
Quote, he just looks so loose, recalls T.C. Hamilton, who witnessed the round. No jumping around, just a lot of smiles. But by the 17th hole, 13 under for the day and having an overtaken Marty, Blankus got nervous. He had a 45-foot birdie putt, much too hard, but it banged the hole, popped six inches into the air, and fell in. <laughs> At number 18, 500-yard par five, he pushed his drive, but it hit a tree and bounced safely back into play. <laughs> Sounds like the luckiest round <laughs> after, of all time. After pitching his third shot to four feet, Blancas managed to sneak in his final birdie. I was feeling it the last two holes, he says. I hit that sucker as hard as I could, and it barely rolled in. Blancas' 55 was never recognized in the record books because the course was so short, but that never bothered him. He won $125 in a set of irons, officially. Unofficially, he probably got a cut of the Calcutta winnings on him, $11,000, which was the Calcutta winnings. You get in the zone, Blancas says, and to some extent, I never felt like I did during that 55 ever again. Blancas went on to win four times on the PGA Tour and play on a winning Ryder Cup team. His career was hobbled by injuries. He had 11 surgeries, but he's also won twice on the Champions Tour. He loves to teach golf, and as of last report, still does in the Houston area. So oh. teaching golf in the Houston area. If you're down in Memorial Park, maybe seek Should out Omero Blancas. Yeah. Ask him about the round of 55. So that's your Precision Pro Flashback Friday, courtesy of uh, John Ezekowitz and Precision Pro Golf. All right. Should we do this SGS golf advice? You want to hit this? We're at the 28-minute mark. Let's. Yeah. We got. We'll do a couple. A ton of great submissions. You guys are all very. If we don't answer it now, we might answer it another time. Yes. We're you starring know. them. We can't do them all. We've got, you know, a ton of them. and But they're all, many of them, most of them are very good. So just presume, you know, that it's in the hopper if we don't do it today. I want to start. You want to start? Let's, let's start with one. You enjoyed this one. <laughs> We're, are we keeping these anonymous? We don't want to. We want to keep yeah, these we'll keep sort them of loose. For most part, this is anonymous. From, this is from Chris. Uh, I belong to a club in my neck of the woods, so the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, with a great mix of younger guys, couples. All right, we'll get to that. A while back, I had a few of my buddies work from work out as guests, and we got paired with one of these good old boys. He is a hoot. We'll call him Bill. Bill's a hoot, complaining about how his new grips are responsible for his bad day on the course, <laughs> providing great detail into how his engagement was recently called off, ordering, quote, airstrikes of cocktails. Are we getting too personal? Is somebody going to identify Bill? Uh, and busting our balls the whole round. We eventually got to the 13th tee, and Bill points out a house with a big deck and umbrellas and says it's his. He tells us he's got something to show us and leads our golf carts through his backyard to the side of his garage. To no one's surprise, Bill has a fridge stocked. To the gills with every type of light beer you can imagine next to his convertible Porsche. Quote, load up, boys, he says as he hands <laughs> us a plastic shopping bag. The end of our round was pretty hazy from there on out. Now, here's where my question comes in. As we were leaving Bill's garage, he tells me I'm welcome to come by anytime and grab some beers. He keeps the door unlocked. I laugh it off, but he insists. He even reiterated the offer twice as we finished up on 18 Green. He's mentioned it since the round when we bumped into each other on the range. I can't possibly do that, right? I can't imagine walking into a stranger's house unannounced to raid his fridge after just one round together. I can't pretend I haven't hit 13th tee since then, thirsty, needing to pick me up and considered it. But I haven't pulled the trigger. So what does the SGS kangaroo court have to say on the matter? Can I raid the beer fridge? You want to go? Yeah, I uh, I think this is uh, an interesting conundrum because... I don't think it's interesting at I, all. You go. No. What if he ran, runs into Bill's wife in there? Like, what do you well, say? He called off the like, engagement, right? This is, 
This is what? He called off his engagement. He gave us that background. I don't think that maybe there's a maybe there's a female visitor. What if there's a kid? Like you know, this is random person going into the house. It's weird. It's awkward. It's it's uncomfortable. I also like I've heard this situation and I get I like, you know, oh, we could go up there and grab a beer. Who are these people? Who are these people that just allow hundreds of people to know they can just come into their house and grab a beer? This is a thing. This is a thing you hear about at various courses and yes. clubs all around the country. Is like, and they want to be that guy. They want to be. Oh, there's Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy's house off the eighth green. You're welcome to stop but in anytime. Like people are, these are into people that. People going though. and stocking. Like, are they like, honey? I I gotta go get beer for the fridge for everybody else. Yes, I think they want to be that guy. We played with one. Uh, we played with one somebody that abutted a course, and it was like happy to have people come through the. Fence. Well, I think the cooler needs to be outside the house it can't be inside like i can't have to go in your house that's fucking weird he's now mentioned it four times he clearly wants people to come and do this i think there should be no hesitation i have a personal problem with entering somebody else's house you enter a house you don't know what you're gonna run into what you're gonna (laughs) see and that is where i draw the line like it sounds like the garage though you're not like in the kitchen you're going into his kitchen if you get to know Bill, you get to know what's going on at the house. You get to know who's who's part of the house. Like, I know, like, I don't want to be running into somebody's eight-year-old, like, who's, like, in the garage, like, getting his basketball to go out and shoot hoops. Like, that's what I don't want to run into. And, and until think- you know the whole circumstance of the house, I wouldn't feel comfortable. It is a little bit of a yeah. I mean, you are you kind of tiptoeing up there. The cooler has to be outside. I, I'm fully on board if the cooler requires me to like walk into your backyard and grab it like I was looking for a golf ball. Not if I have to enter your house. I think you're just going in the side of the garage. He clearly wants you there. He clearly wants to be that guy at the course at the club that has the the fridge off the thirteenth tee. And there's a lot of those at various courses. I just think this is a no-brainer. You go, of course, there's always the risk that, you you know, you tiptoe into something you don't want to see or shouldn't see, or you may get, I don't think there's stand-your-ground laws around here. The wrong person is not aware of the arrangement. But I just think, like, Bill wants people there. He wants you to do that. He wants that to become a facet of the club's culture. So you go and you do it. Uh, Anything else you want to add on that one? I think that's good a good question. All that's right. A good question. I don't I don't know about going in, you know. Okay. Um all right, I got one for you. Yeah. I got to find it here. Good radio. Um what was it? It was the uh Can we do the hole in one one from across the pond? I got this one. This is a Go good ahead. one. Go ahead. This is the this is uh this is somebody who listens to Rosillo, who who you know, this is a lifted idea. In the spirit of Rosillo's height, weight, bench max requirement for life advice, my handicap is one, my driver carry is 290, and my favorite fruit is a banana. Um he's ecstatic about this segment. But anyways, one of my childhood friends, known for 20 plus years, is also one of my frequent golf buddies. Let's call him Drake. Where I live, you have to book tea times. Uh, in a, a week in advance to get a decent time. So I usually own booking a tea time. 
good for him. You know, he's the organized guy Stepping that's looking up. out for his buddies, sure. right? And then text my core group of uh, three other people asking him who would like to play. While two of my buddies will respond with a firm commitment of yes or no within a day, Drake will usually respond with maybe or just ignore the text altogether. The responsibility then shifts to me to remind Drake sometimes daily throughout the week about the tea time and continually ask if he'd like to play. Usually I can't get a firm commitment from him until the night before or even the day of the tea time, which prevents me from being able to ask other friends if they'd like to play and also leaves us uh, exposed to getting paired with a random single who either plays slow or some middle-aged man that wants to get away from his wife. Not to mention, I sometimes get harassed by the course where I have to put my credit card down, and if he doesn't show, I'm in a pickle. I assume Drake is waiting to see if anything better comes across his desk to participate in before giving us a firm commitment. I got so fed up with it that one time I just excluded Drake from an invite, and then he got mad and he saw all of our uh, round po- notifications pop up in a scoring tracking app we use. <laughs> this has caused a genuine rift in our friend group and usually ends with Drake and I exchange, exchanging passive-aggressive jabs. So I have to ask, am I being too much of a hardo with trying to fill a tea time? Should I be more lax with this? Or if he shows up, he shows up. How would you maybe approach inviting, getting a response out of him? Thanks, guys. Uh, I would just like to add the subject line of this email uh, in reference to Drake was called the Belgian waffler. <laughs> Pretty good creativity there. The subject line. Great um, creativity. Had you what seen do you this make one? of this? Because I, I read had, it. I hadn't seen it. Okay. This is uh, uh, listen. Favorite fruit is banana. That's if good. you that's, ask some of my shrug. friends, if you ask some of my fr- my friends, they'd say that I was like a I was Drake. Yeah, I would say I'd probably fall more towards that bucket too. Drake. So I, I I don't commit to a lot of things. I have a fear advance. of committing. I yeah. don't know what it is. It's something about like this is there are planners in the world and procrastinators. And I'm a procrastinator. Stephen Wade, who I met at one of our events, one time had a tweet that I've never resonated more with a tweet ever in my life. It was he tweeted something like, you know, my wife has been gone for the weekend and her flight got canceled. I spent all day cleaning and now I'm just upset that I didn't get to push off cleaning until tomorrow. <laughs> like, you know, that's me to a T. So anyways, I think with Drake, the situation here isn't that he doesn't, he's waiting for something better to come up. It's just that like, he like, is like, wait, you know, I don't know how old you guys are. It sounds like you might be in your 20s. Yeah, it's hard to. So- sounds like you might be single. It sounds like this. Eh, like, says he'd known him for 20 plus years. So probably in their 30s. Maybe. Okay. But sounds like Drake might be like, you know, he might go out. Like, and this was a problem with me in my 20s. Like, I, I don't know. What if I end up out? You know, what if I'm like, you know, out worse chasing for the wear. something? You know, wor- worse, worse for the for wear. The wear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so I think Drake, like, I think the better way to go about this rather than week to week, because you don't want to be a nagger. You don't want him to feel like, you know, he's always because there's some guilt on his end. I guarantee it. Well, that's the whole thing. Yes. I think I think like 
the emailer here is is within totally within his rights. And I say that as someone who probably leans more towards the Drakes. There are consequences for being a waffler, and you can't get pissy. And you can't get pissy <laughs> can't, when they see you just went pissed. and played without you. Like you either get in or get out. Your your buddy is taking the onus upon himself to organize this stuff because it's required. It sounds like he's not just being a type A where we got to be planned two weeks in advance. It sounds like it's necessary where they live. You got to book them a week in advance. So like the consequences of being a waffler, I don't think you get mad about that. I just you can't don't. get mad. The guy's Absolutely going out of his way to mad. settle it up, and it's annoying as hell if he's not going to get a commitment. I think like. If if you if he as long as he sent a text about playing golf originally and went, which it sounds like, the guy can't get mad. Right. He can't get mad. If right. he didn't reply, like this happens to me all the time. I never could get mad because somebody let me know. I do get mad if somebody doesn't ever invite me, you know, that I would consider like <laughs> you should have invited me, you know? <laughs> like you don't even invite me. I know I might not reply, but like you don't even invite me. We got to that point. But uh but anyways, I think the better course of action here, this is this is the way I would I would go about it. You need to set an expectation at the start of the year. You need to say, hey, Drake, are you in to play golf three weekends a month? The first three weekends a month. And it's just like locked in. Cause then you're you're just gonna say, Hey, we need to make a decision by January one. Let's just use these dates figuratively. We're playing the first three weekends of the month on Saturdays. And I'm going to set up the tee times. You're going to be there, though. And set that. So then he can only waffle on one decision. And the, the rest is already made up. It's on his calendar. What procrastinators hate is the idea of making the decision. Okay? So if you bundle everything together and make it one decision, then he knows... Hey, every Saturday, the first three Saturdays of the month, I'm playing golf. Yeah. And I don't even have to make the decision. And then the text commitment. is, yeah. we're playing golf See at ya. 10 a.m. Yeah. See you there. Yeah. Not a bad way, but a little more proactive. It just shouldn't be. The onus just shouldn't be on the Oh, Drake's there. being an asshole. Yeah. That's yeah, like. Yeah. yeah. And he can't get pissy if he gets, you know, starts seeing the notifications on the scoring app. You just can't get upset about it. And you're absolutely within your right to jab at him. He deserves shit for this. And I welcome, like, that I don't respond to text messages. Um, Five days. Yeah. We got a. We got, there's a whole genre of playing with someone who's angry. Do you want to knock those out? We'll just do them. I'll read them together. Ben. Long time, first time. Played with a guy on the weekend that was great, relaxed company for nine holes. Then a bad three put on ten and absolutely exploded. He was storming around, screaming expletives and well, and homophobic epithets. All right, well that turned not okay. At himself on the green and completely abdicated his flag pulling responsibilities. Very annoying. This happened again on a few more holes afterwards with sullen silence. Otherwise. Besides the obvious, dodging him on the T-sheet from now on, any tips to address or diffuse mid-round? This is another one in this uh, in this same genre. I played weekend with some buddies. One of those having a really rough day, getting angry, loudly swearing, throwing clubs. This is from Clark. Uh, and chucking his driver into a creek on 18. <laughs> Left it there. To his credit, he's the only angry playing partner I've had who doesn't bring the mood down, even with all his shenanigans. 
like the rest and the rest of us still have a pleasant time. What are your approaches for playing with an angry partner? Pretend it's not happening. Attempt to cheer him up, lean into it and laugh. And then one more from Peter. Uh, one of my regular foursome, he's gotten older. His golf game has gone south. It's not an issue because his index has risen, but he's becoming increasingly grouchy. The rest of the group recognizes it and tied to his declining level of play. He snaps at us and has even quit mid-round. This past weekend, we decided not to play for money, thinking that was stressing him out. And he played lights out and was upset we weren't playing for anything. <laughs> All members of the foursome are close. We do vacations together, dinner with the wives, golf rounds with kids. Any advice to have to handle good or bad is appreciated. So that's grouchy. I know we had a couple other uh, angry playing partners. But yeah, Clark, that's uh, Peter and... Uh, Ben. So that that was some good ones. The guy, the guy who just exploded with the three putt on ten out of nowhere after nine relaxed holes. I mean, I'm leaning into that. For me, that's like a personal gift from the content gods on the personal. Like I am solely like laughing at you, not with you type thing. Right? You're just like happy to be there to watch that and take it all in. I'm secure enough in myself that I don't need to worry about like I don't know. I just don't need to worry about this like bothering me i would be delighted and entertained by that whole deal until he got to the homophobic epithets then that wouldn't be super great but i think that i just i take the show in now do i want that like two out of three rounds more than once a month maybe not at all of course like but i when you're out there you just lean into that and enjoy it what do you make of that one in specific do you avoid them on the t-sheet listen i I'm not going to sit here and claim to be an angel. There there have been times in my life where I've just completely lost my shit on the golf course. You know, I I do it far less now. You know, I probably one time in the last 4 years that I've lost my shit. Um you know, I at times I I've been a grumpy golfer and it's not fun. Same. It's yeah. awful. It's I know it's I've terrible. been like bringing the mood down in groups and it's like it sucks. Then it's, then you feel even worse. It's absolutely terrible, and you're terrible to be around. So if you get to into a grumpy golfer mood, you need to figure out a way to like. I think like the guy that like option two here, like the guy that like is kind of a psycho on the golf course, <laughs> but <laughs> but is like still cool and like doesn't bring the mood down. Probably like makes fun of himself is the way to go here. Like you know if you're gonna be like if you just can't control it, I get it. Like this is a it's a rage inducing sport. Like it, 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 there are things like golf at certain points in my life could get me angrier than like anything else. Like I could get like, you know, somebody could just like ram into my car and I wouldn't be upset like in the parking lot. But, but me making three putting two holes in a row would just set me into like a tailspin that like brought me more rage than anything else. Like, so I, I get this, but, Number one, the guy that just the random outburst, the random guy. That's kind of weird. <laughs> I like, would enjoy that, though. Come on. That would be so fun. For one, for 10 last holes, just li- watching this guy be a psycho. And like, Content here's gods. It, it, that was a random, right? Yeah, it sounds like it was less personal. It wasn't like a standing foursome deal. So like the random, right? I think you just got to take it and avoid him. 
That's the right play, yes. right? Yes. Like you yes. just kind of like yes. you file it away. You, you remember don't try to diffuse, though. Correct. Yeah. You do not try to diffuse. You just let him go. Well, you don't know what what he's going to do, right? Yeah. Like yeah. he could go right. nuts on you next if you said something, right? <laughs> like you don't know where that's going to go. So I, if it's a random, like if you're not, if you don't have a good relationship with him, you got to just like. If you don't, if you have no clue what, what's going to happen, unless you're ready to get in a fight with the guy, like unless you're like way bigger than the guy, then I wouldn't say anything. But right? even then, yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, just enjoy it. Like this guy's toiling away. The Let other guy. Yeah. So middle guy, right? Middle guy was yeah. He doesn't bring the mood down, but he throws his club in the water at 18, leaves it there. They're used to it by now, but. I don't, it doesn't sound like, you know, what are your approaches? Do we pretend like it's not happening? Attempt to cheer him up? Is Lean into I think you laugh. make fun of him. Yeah. It like, sounds like he doesn't bring the mood down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seems like yeah. a good sport. Like, make fun of him. Like, at a certain point, I think he probably might realize how stupid it is to get so angry. Like, now, like, my... When I get upset at all on the golf course now, the worst part about getting upset is that right after I get upset, I get upset that I was upset. Right. Sure. I mean, and then for like, four holes, I'm mad at myself. This is what, like, I mean, you know what? You caddied, I caddied. Like this, like golf is a competition. I understand people get, but like, it's, this is, this is the non-stressful part of your life, right? This is like yes. the outlet. This is the recreation. This is the go to get away, have fun. And I know you like golf can be a torturous game and all that, but like, the guys who are always assholes looping for you are like, I like, how are you like an asshole here at the golf course? Like, what does that make you everywhere? Like at the office or, you know, in other situations, it just, I don't know. It, like, but anyways, I know people get angry. I got angry. Um, the last one is a little interesting because it sounds like they're all, they all do stuff. The wives, the kids play together and it's tied to sort of his game is declined. Well, and the group's trying to make room for him, so they're not playing for money. This, you know, because he's a little sensitive about it. I, I don't know, but he's grouchy. He's very grouchy about the whole so thing. So my my question would be like, is it a coincidence that when you weren't playing for money, that he played so well? Right. Right. And if he isn't the the problem here, right? Right. Like the, the stakes or, or what do you mean? It's just an interesting. That's what stood out to me, right? He's yeah, always no, grumpy. Probably we don't play, play yeah. for money, yeah. and then he's not grumpy. So it seems like the the playing for money could be an issue here. And one of the things I suggest is like maybe maybe you play some like matches not for money for a while for just see if he plays better, and then you kind of have illuminated the issue here he's a grumpy guy when he's playing for money and and you know what at that point you know you're you're with him a lot you have a good relationship with him you're you're a group maybe you say hey man it's really not very fun to play mu for money with you because you get really grumpy and you play like shit um okay right yep yep that does it that's you, golf others? you want to hit we have so many. There's a bunch of quick hitters. This one's from Ben. You want to do one more? This is very obvious. Quick one. Ben, for me, is it rude to say no to someone, coworker, family member, father-in-law, boss, who offers to buy you something from the Masters if you've never been and you don't want to have any merch until you've been? 
same question for bucket list places like you know Bandon and Old Course Elite Private Clubs like Oakmont. I no, mean, this, it's not rude. It's not rude. This to has say happened no. to me right. when I was working in the golf industry. People would be like, like when I had, years after I started the fried egg, people would be like, "Hey, I'm going to the Masters. Do you want me to pick you up anything?" It's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good, yeah. dude. <laughs> like, it's not rude to say no. no. Just you no. just simply say it politely. Uh, I want to get it when uh, yeah. I don't want to get it until I've been myself, and I'll get it there. So, yeah, pretty good one. I think that's an easy one. It's not rude. Do you want to All do right. the in-laws one? We can. What minute are we at? 51? Sure. I mean, we'll we, do one more. Since we started recording, we've gotten five more emails. So I think like this is going to stay full. So Where music. was that one? What was that called? Uh, it yeah. came in late. Um, dilemma in-law. You want me to read it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I seek your expert advice in balancing golf and family matters. Every year, my club championship is held around the time of my children's birthdays. Every year, my wife's parents visit for the birthday celebrations. This is the only time they visit as they refuse to make the journey <laughs> during school holidays due to higher travel costs at those times. This year was an exception. They stopped in, t- in town for one night during school holidays on their way to view a Winnebago for sale in a nearby town. <laughs> Just a delightful added detail. I love that. The sleeping arrangements required to accommodate the in-laws, along with other associated interruptions to routine, impact my tournament preparation. In recent years, the club championship has been dominated by a reinstated amateur, and I will need near-perfection, perfect preparation if I am ever to contend. By within my rights to deny accommodation in the weeks leading up to the championship, would the negative effect on my game from the fallout likely make this self-defeating? My children are currently eight and 10. Is it realistic to hope a diminishing grandparent grandchild bond over time puts a natural end to the visits in the near future, making intervention unnecessary? I mean, please help stuff from stymied in the South. I we, just, I just seems to be putting too much stock in the club championship. The That's my part, initial. The last part about, you know, kind so of hoping cold. for a diminished yeah. grandparent. Yeah, Come on. Come on, man. Yeah. And and here's the thing. He wants to win the club championship. He wants and the to grandparents win. come screw it up for him. Uh, apparently well, his prep. But the thing about it is he, he illuminates a very important part when he's describing what's going on in the club championship. He has to play like perfect golf to win. Well, I think you have a better approach would be trying to like raise an issue with the board about the reinstated amateur, you know, say maybe he should be disqualified because he was a pro or something. I don't know. Instead of trying to disown your grand, your, your in-laws. Well, right? yeah. So you got a lot of options here, right? Your, grand, just, your, your in-laws are cheap, okay? So if you really want to make this happen your way, you want, you want to prepare your way, like your ideal prep for the club championship, buy them tickets another time of year to come in. That's true. Well, okay, that, there's yeah. an option right there. Now, if you're too cheap to do that, the well, thing I would... I mean, there can be economic pressures. The thing would I would do? say is like, listen, you're putting way too much stock in preparing here. All right, golf is so weird. It's a weird game. Get your reps in. Work on your game all summer, okay? You're going to work and you're work and work. But like you don't need to have like this like intense regimen. Like I can't tell you how many tour pros like you know they don't play golf like they're off week and they go out and they play like a great event the week they're back. Like this Septic is not tank. it's not a big deal if you have to 
if you have like if they come in the weekend before in that weekend, you you maybe only get to go hit balls once. Like that's not a big deal. One time, one time I played in the I was a medalist at a, a state mid am uh, tournament, and and I was throwing up because I was so hungover from a wedding until like eight p.m. the night before, and I felt awful on the range. I didn't hit a ball all weekend, and I went out. And was the medalist like you? The prep, like, and then tournaments. I felt more prepared for than ever before. I went out and shit the bed, like right out of the gate. Like sometimes those like distractions and being away from it are actually like the best thing you can get for your game, right? Like you're yeah. you all of a sudden don't have that high expectation when you enter into the club championship. You're like, you know, who knows how this is going to go, and that's okay because I didn't have time. To, like I didn't, you know, when you when you put a lot of pressure on something, it gets really hard to perform. You know, yeah, I, yep, yeah, I, I just put less stock in the club championship. That's all I would say. I'm now I've not been in a position to win one myself, but it seems like you're overemphasizing the club championship. Both what it, I'm sure maybe it's meaningful to you, but also you're overemphasizing that and also the preparation for it. I would say. But I don't know. It's interesting. It's a dilemma for sure. <laughs> Tell them to get lost. Tell them they can't come one summer. <laughs> I need follow up. Did they get the Winnebago? <laughs> All right. I like it. But thank you. That's a good email. It's not like we're not just disagreeing with you, but I, it's a good, good quandary. That's why we created this. SGSGolfAdvice at gmail.com. Yeah, I'm buy sure the we'll ticket. Get if you want to do it your way, buy the tickets for Thanksgiving. Bring them in. You know, we got, a, we got so many of these good ones. So we will, uh, we'll keep following them away. It's not like we're ignoring them. Uh, we'll keep them going probably on Fridays for the foreseeable future. All right. Everyone enjoy your weekends. Enjoy the Houston open, the Pelican championship, whatever else you got going on this weekend. We'll check back with you on uh, Monday. <laughs> <laughs>